0: We all love Bob, obviously. We, we've we sung his praises on this show. Uh, but this is a palate cleanser episode. Okay. So I think you got to just call it as it is. And uh, it is fascinating to hear this guy that I think takes so many chances vocally throughout his career. And who hits the mark, I think, a lot of the time. To just see him fall on his face. I mean, it, it is very instructive, I think. And it does make me feel like, okay, this is giving me a new appreciation of his phrasing totally because uh i feel like the the phrasing in his show is like it's so it's it's either perfunctory or uh thoughtless perfunctory is the word
1: yeah that's the thing is when you said he takes risks like the the problem with his performance here is that it's not risks it feels like muscle memory and he's just like falling into these patterns um and it doesn't feel invented in the moment and it's not to say that it's true of every moment on the of his performance but he gets in these ruts
2: yeah to me there isn't like a you know, this kind of show is fascinating and is necessary to listen to and to think about because it allows us to understand what makes a good show, you know, so successful. I, <laughs> a lot of the time we just say, oh, this is good because it rocks. Just listen to it. And that's true. Uh, but you can you can put a little more meat on the bone there when you think about a show like this. I, To me, the key is like There isn't a, um, you know, an element of collaboration um, and cooperation between him and the band here. Like, they aren't synced together. They aren't on the level, you know, to use one of our phrases. Uh, But seriously, um, you know, in the best cases, right up until today, Bob is able to go off, you know, in his own direction on these flights of fancy and spit out some wacko new uh cadence or uh deliver a new lyric or jam a bunch of words into one line where they don't belong and the band can keep up with that and kind of catch him, you know, kind of cradle him uh with a net beneath it and make it all work and they just kind of are synced. They're they're on the level together. And this this show, they're just not for whatever reason. And it's hard to point to like, you know, that right there, this is evidence of that. But you get the feeling, I do at least over time as you listen to it, that they're just they're not able to kind of come to an agreement you know, psychically, uh, uh, so to speak, over the course of these ninety minutes or whatever, and try as they might, and the band certainly is trying, and, and they do kind of rev things up on their own towards the end, uh, towards the more like greatest hits element of this show, uh, which we'll probably talk about momentarily. Um, they just they can't find him, you know, Tony and and uh, and Bucky and JJ. They just you know they're searching for Bob out there and trying to figure out how they can keep up with him and kind of cradle him, and they just can't get there
1: yeah and uh, there's something about this show too is like i i I think there's a lesson to be learned for all of us from it it's not just about his like bob dylan and his uh his performance here you know if we could be also just for me listening to this is kind of makes me reflect on moments in my own life and or uh, doing our show or anything where you have to like Get out there and try to do it again and again and again and again. And we talked about that a little bit with V. Sean when when we were on Creative Control, um, and he asked us about what it's like to podcast. And it's like, you know, I think all three of us know that like you, you're not always like some you, I like you could be in a bad way, and you has got to do it, and you got to like try to make the best out of it, and sometimes that's not good enough, um, but to bring it back to what we were talking about earlier it's like the nobility of the uh, pursuit is uh sometimes all you have to uh really cling to and that's uh you, you get to do another
2: one but um yeah there's always another show
0: well i wonder like historically and not just talking about bob dylan but just musicians like musicians in general like what is the history of like great concerts in hawaii (laughs) because i wonder if like because you're in hawaii Mm -hmm. do you really want to work in hawaii Uh, right is this a place where you like want to put forth an effort i feel i've never been to hawaii i imagine that it's a beautiful place very nice i've seen the, the 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 descendants the george clooney movie
2: you've listened to 11 tracks of whack
0: the essential hawaiian album (laughs) <laughs> exactly
2: Walter Becker.
0: Walter Becker case in point, you know, he he went to Hawaii to to chill out and to get his mind right. Dry out, yeah, farm some avocados. Because to me, like you talk about the connection between Bob and the band, I think the central problem of the show is that like Bob is not connected to himself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Like and you talk about podcasting and you know sometimes you're not feeling it. To me, when you're not feeling it is when your brain is not connected to your mouth when your mouth is moving, but your brain is like in a million other places. Sure. And maybe Bob was like, I need to get some sandals. <laughs> I need to get some, some cargo shorts and, and Hawaiian Hawaii I, I, I need to get some sleep. I just need to, <laughs> I need a good hammock yeah. here, uh, you know, that I can rest in. And meanwhile, his mouth is, you know, spitting out the times they are changing, which he can do by rote because he's done it so many times. But, You know, you just don't feel that connection that he has to his own material that you hear in the best shows, where he is re-experiencing what the song's about and filtering it through his own world as it exists right now. And that's where you get the invention going on. This seems very by rote. I, I, I would just love to hear... Uh, if there's a Hawaiian musical historian who could talk about the great shows in Hawaiian history that people have played there, because I feel like that might be a weird place to perform. Yeah, like. I, I think you're onto yeah.
1: something. I mean, H- Hawaii is kind of not the type of thing that is maybe necessarily the most conducive to galvanizing rock and roll music. It's like, it, <laughs> it doesn't have, there's a different kind of relationship there. It might throw you off your game, maybe, to like not have... The typical tension that produces some of the great moments in uh in rock live rock performance. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe there is something to that. Maybe it takes some time to recalibrate, like and get into a groove with it when and- you're in such a place.
2: And he doesn't have time to calibrate either, because he is on the never-ending tour and keeping up. He's three nights after this. He's up in fucking Seattle for two nights back to back. The Paramount. That's insane, man. He was in New Zealand like three days before. Then he's in Hawaii for three days. Then he's in Seattle, and he crams six shows in the space of like ten days or something. Like I, I can't even imagine.
0: Yeah, it's like they're trying to kill Bob here. Like his, 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 you know, the the tour people. Like this, this routing. It seems insane. You're used to this kind of routing. Uh, you know, like in the 60s before they figured out how to tour, you'd figure like by the 90s there would be, but he was probably insisting that's probably his call, yeah, just squeeze all these shows in because he's a maniac. Um, as far as the Budokan moments, I feel like we've talked about all the Budokan moments. Are there any that because you know, like Evan, you talked about Tambourine Man? Mm -hmm. Um, I was gonna pick the uh, the, the, the truncated intentionally or not. Rainy Day Women. Um, and Ian, I, I think you said something, too, for uh, what you're... She belongs uh, to me. Ludicum, right. Which, is there anything
2: else that we're missing there? I mean, it's a pretty... That, I mean, Because that's one other element of this. I mean, I guess Union Sundown, right? Because it is still that wacko... It's like a version of that wacko interpretation from the San Jose show that we've talked about before. And most of the time could qualify if you're just judging it based on sounding shitty um yeah right like yeah his spin on it was let's make it sound horrible right. <laughs> uh, we're, going, we're gonna We're going try something new folks one of my greatest songs ever let's just make it sound like dog shit wait, did you notice that moment in
1: in union sundown by the way just totally unrelated but like where it sounds like he they're just they say union sundown as if they're they didn't know they're about to play it
0: yeah you know, well i feel like there's a lot of songs where you can hear bob say to the band we're playing we you know, like, say the song title it's totally
1: possible it. that they just didn't know like what they were doing until two seconds ago and then they're just there they are playing it uh-huh. I think that the times they're changing is also one where it is it is rough
0: to say the least
1: I'm
0: gonna every year
1: It is like uh, taking off in a storm um, with with your eyes closed. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, comparisons to flying a plane badly uh, on my part in this episode, but it seems like that's an easy.
0: it's apropos it's apropos and look this might be again me stretching to uh give compliments to bob for this show but our watchtower check yeah watchtower watch there There is a watchtower in this show yes yes there it is i thought it was pretty good (laughs) thought so too
2: you no. say that every time we talk about Watchtower.
1: <laughs> I actually agree. I, I was listening to it this morning again and I, I did think they're they're cooking <laughs>
0: yeah jj is killing it and again it's it, it, i think that these uh that the barnstormers at the end the highway 61 the watchtower i actually enjoyed those i think because bob isn't that prominent and it's just the band sure. cooking and so uh I, I know that there's been some highway 61 fatigue here in the ranks uh, in recent episodes but i'm still in the zone where I'm appreciating the uh, the shredding that goes on at that part of the show, <laughs> even acknowledging there's a little bit of blues rock uh, fatigue maybe setting in with me as well. But um, after the desert of this show, I I enjoyed a little bit of the red meat at the end of okay, we're just gonna rock. That's now. fair. This watchtower
1: has kind of a punky energy to it. There's some really good like rhythm guitar. It's like it's pretty tight and like uh, sharp. I actually, it's a good one.
2: I You know, the show is rapidly becoming a of, big fan of "Along the Watchtower," which started as our most <laughs> loathed song in the entire discography. Well, every time it's not well, no, this is reason, the thing it's you, it's you were like, just talking hey. about, Stephen. It's when you just spend time with a record, when you just listen to yeah. it again and again. You are like, oh, you know oh, what? Yeah. I actually like
0: it. <laughs> well, again, this is all uh, in a certain context. Uh, you know, I am not. I am saying it. I am enjoying it. In the context of this sure. show and enjoying it In the context of, of Watchtowers uh, Just to, uh, to uh, Piggyback on Evan's point about the the Punky rhythm guitar I, That was one thing I liked about the Absolutely Sweet Marie mm-hmm. Which is pretty ragged Again, like it uh, Seems like it's on the verge of falling apart But I was appreciating It, I guess, on that song Because it, it's upbeat and it Has a certain vibe to it, I think <laughs> Where are you tonight, sweet Marie? Well, I waited for you when I was empty I waited for you when you hate me I waited for you Out of the driving. private You know I the place to be The like the rocking part of the show, which can be tiresome, was probably my favorite part of the show, like toward the end, aside from the acoustic songs, mm. um, and then going into blowing in, in the wind at the end. Um, I like the ending of the show. Maybe because it was the ending of the show. Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> you like it or, because almost it's almost over.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think things pick up a little bit towards the end. It It is like... Going back to one of you mentioned, just like this feeling like a really rote kind of performance, I think that's part of the problem is just like this is a real greatest hits type of set. You know, like there's very little kind of delicious, meaty morsels for people like us once you get beyond most of the time and even in Union Sundown. Cause like Rainy Day Women, just like a woman, stuck inside a mobile, She Belongs to Me and Love Minus Zero, those are like semi deep cuts, but then, you know, Tambourine Man. Times, Highway, Absolutely Sweet Marie, Watchtower, Blown away. It's just like, uh, I, I, if Bob had more interesting material to be singing, I think he might have been more into it. And I'm actually kind of like puttering around other late 90, or 92 um, set lists in the background right now. And he did like a seven-night stand at the Pantages at the end of this tour uh, where he was dropping like What Good Am I, Lenny Bruce, mm. um, Fourth Street, Disease of Conceit um so i gotta listen to a couple of those but like those yeah. everything's broken but those seem like more potential I mean,
0: fall 92 i think
2: is pretty great I, well this I, was I feel spring like 92 was this is okay, literally I, the end of this spring run he goes to the pantages for seven nights and does all of these crazy shows
0: well and again you know i mean the san jose show is amazing yeah. you know i mean there were there were definitely uh really good shows i did friend of the devil time. one night
1: Pantages, Friend of the Devil? That's not the yep. first time that it happened? That's crazy. No, yep. To so be clear, we he did that on the last uh, tour that we saw him, when we saw him at the Pantages. He
2: played uh, Friend of the Devil at the Pantages on May 16th, 90, 1992, and he also played it at the Pantages on June, I don't, do you remember when those were? 15th, 2022? So it was like... years apart.
1: Wow, that's so that's weird. That's beautiful. I love finding out little weird things like that.
2: Just put another put another pin on the on the billboard. Another another bit of little red yeah. string. Another little thing that I don't know what
1: to do with that information. Like, but it's there. Now your
2: grandfather's birthday is that's been kicked out of your brain. But you now know that Bob played friend of the devil. Yeah, Pantages, thirty years apart. You
1: lost one of those things and you gain another. <laughs> Equally important.
0: And it's clear exactly. what is more important to remember. Anyway, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. Um, I think Evan alluded to the Bob talk in this
2: episode already, Uh, which, is that that before Little Moses? It's after Little Moses, before Golden Vanity. Vanity. Yeah, he says something about spiritual... All
0: right, that's the spiritual
1: part of the show tonight. What?
0: The full quote is, all right, that was the spiritual... The spiritual part of of the the... show tonight. (laughs) What? (laughs) And then... This says, what? And he talks with the audience. Oh, yeah, yeah. This one's got all that stuff in it. You'll Ugh. see. It's got all that and more. And then he plays Golden right. Vanity. He sounds pretty jovial, too, in that part. And, yeah, he, and, and that's when he was throwing strikes, that part of the set. It's like everything was good. And then he started playing his own songs again. <laughs> and we were back in, in the doldrums. Well,
1: I mean, this is the area where he was making... Good, good as I've been
2: to you, he hadn't made it yet.
1: One of my top five albums by Bob Dylan, is good as I've been to you, I love it. And it seems like it's not a coincidence, perhaps, that his head is in that space, and he's like making the like the best parts of this show are when he's doing songs that could have easily ended up on that album. Like he's seems connected to that type of material, and he he sounds himself, even sounds happy when he's. In the midst
0: of it, it was his moving on Skiffle era. It was when he was moving on Skiffle in his own way,
1: right? And uh, again, if we want to bring it back to moving on Skiffle, if we're talking about phrasing, to to moving on Skiffle, I think after (laughs) this you're gonna you you listen to some of the phrasing here, and then you just listen to moving on Skiffle, and you'll realize what it's like to hear a master
0: of phrasing. Well, he's rebooting. I think this is you know, and we I think we've talked about this before. This is a like a reboot era for him where uh you know maybe a little burned out as a songwriter so he goes back to the source of his original inspiration and like evan said he i I mean before 92 i mean late 80s early 90s even if even if it's a bad show he's going to sing beautiful versions of like these old folk songs you know lakes of Ponta train and songs like that it's always going to be a stunner any show you listen to and it's just him reconnecting uh, with uh, his original muse. And uh, I think that, to circle back to our earlier conversation, is really what it means to move on skiffle. That's right. <laughs> it means that you are moving back to what inspired you. The, the, whatever the skiffle is in your own heart, we all have mm-hmm. a different skiffle. Yours might be literal skiffle, or it may be the metaphorical skiffle. Uh, but uh, that's, the, that's the key, Ian. And perhaps you haven't found the skiffle yet. I suppose not. In your life. you got to find it.
1: I think uh, our skiffle is is listening to Bob Dylan. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I think listening to this it. kind of shit is the skiffle, exactly. So it sounds to me, Stephen, like you're predicting, after moving on skiffle, a late career renaissance masterpiece from Van the Man for his next record. Is that is that now that he's recharged himself and he's gone back to the skiffle well, he's, right. he's ready to put out his own rough and rowdy ways here?
0: Yes. If, his, if the amount of hatred in his heart does not... <laughs> Kill him. I think it will. Yeah, I and there's no reason to think it will because, as we've established, he reverse engineers his spite into beautiful music, and he's done
2: this for a long time. I think, and he's been looking it, svelte and trim. He looks swag up there on stage. Exactly.
0: So I want him to continue to be an angry man in his every other aspect of his life because it works for him. He he has to reserve the beauty. For his music and every he can just be ugly everywhere else and that's all we need because we don't know van morrison who, who cares what he's like in his personal life Wish I was big
2: do we have any bootleg titles for bob dylan at the oh. waikiki shell in waikiki hawaii we already have a great title of the official bootleg paradise hawaiian style but do we have any uh dumber ones that <laughs> any of our uh, dumber brains have put together. Do we?
0: I feel like I'm good at coming up with dumb bootleg titles. If I can toot my own horn here, I, I don't agree. Wanna... <laughs> so I was thinking about, and this is this might be like a little too deep for the average Dylan fan who may not also be a, a cinephile. But I was thinking about okay, films that are set in Hawaii. Can I somehow, you know, incorporate that into a bootleg title? That's also apropos for this show, and I came mm. up with Punch Drunk Bob. Oh, because Punch Drunk Love. That's right. Part, it is partially in a lie, isn't it? So maybe you could put Bob's head on Adam Sandler's body on the movie <laughs> poster where he's got the blue suit and it's in profile.
1: Okay, well that movie didn't wasn't released at the time, so that's I know
0: I understand that, uh, but yeah, again, this that. is. This is if we've excavated an even more. If you were pristine... to make one
1: right now, if you were to, yeah. if you were to design it,
0: um, yeah. if, we, if we did, if we did the Benny Boy remaster, sure.
2: I'm thinking now just of Punch Drunk Bob, yeah. like that. The you know, like the Philip Seymour Hoffman when he's in the when he's in his store, just screaming into the phone, fo- just like <laughs> playing him like 10 seconds of most of the time being played. Shut up.
0: My shut mind. up! Will you shut up? Shut up! Shut 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 up! Shut up! <sighs>
2: uh.